go man welcome in to beyond mechanics joined in on thursday as usual by jim greco of living legends today we got an exciting topic talking about ted williams book the science of hitting jim what's up man what's up man i'm glad to be here again indeed indeed man take me through this book of science of hitting we both read it we got yeah, about yeah. three topics we're going to talk about what's at the top of the list what are we going to talk about first all right, so so top of the list. Um, so with this book, I mean, it's an awesome book, first of all. Everybody's got to pick it up. And let me tell you this story real quick before we dip into it. So um, I've been telling people, obviously, that we're going to do this podcast on this book. I think, you know, maybe a couple weeks ago uh, since we first had brought it up, plus some of my own parents had asked us uh, about this book. So I had told them we're going to do it. A few people went out and bought the book already. And, you know, Amazon, it's their next day. So... Uh, this kid in my program, he's a 10U kid. He plays for Westside Little League in Santa Clara here. And uh, he read the book, I guess, the other night. And yesterday, he went and hit his first ever home run. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not to say because the book did it or the hard work didn't pay off or any of that stuff. But coincidentally, you know, he read the book and boom, goes out there and hits his first ever home run uh, in Little League. So yeah. shout out to, to Jaden. You know, just, just uh, again... We put these tips, we put the advice out there, we put all this information out there for people to listen to and make their decisions on. And, and we're out here uh, doing a lot of research for you and we're giving you good guidance. Yeah. And some people can choose to listen or not listen, it's, it's, it's up to them. But a lot of the people who've been listening to us and listen to the, the things that we're, we're telling them about, they're going out and doing it and they're, and they're understanding what we're asking and they're seeing Good things happen to them already just in all the different topics and things that we're talking about so um everybody go get this book because it's a great read it's like 90 pages so you can you know read it in 30 minutes to an hour yep. um and you'll get a lot from it and then i'd say read it you know pick it up every year or whatever and, and read it again um every kid to me should have it um it, it's it's got so much information but ted williams obviously a lot think is one of the greatest hitters to, to ever play the game um, and he had some some key things that, that some basically rules to live by, um, rules to hit by really is what it what it is. And that's inside this book. Three rules to hit by. One of the number one things, the number one rules for him was get a good ball to hit. Yeah. Get a good ball to hit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what what does that mean? Getting a good ball to hit? Um, obviously, I think you want to get a good ball to hit. But. Do, are we always, you know, what goes into getting a good ball to hit? Patience, you know, having patience and uh, doing your research, you know, doing homework, um, knowing what the pitcher might have, watching the pitcher's bullpen, watching the pitcher from the dugout, um, watching the pitcher before you're at bats, um, all those kind of tendencies that the pitcher has, lefty, righty, you know, all that kind of stuff, the outfield shift that might be going on, um, you know, shifts, a lot of people think came from when Ted Williams hit because there was the Ted Williams shift, right? Mm -hmm. They had the third baseman playing behind second base. Mm -hmm. All the outfielders were over because he did love to pull the ball. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times that was because he was early. Um, but getting a good ball to hit. So, um, you know, with you, what, what was your approach is when you, when you go, would go up to bat? I mean, was that your approach? Let me find a good ball to hit? Man, I, I think it has to be because – 
the strike zone really exists to give you a fair opportunity to hit the ball hard. Like the strike zone we have, that was created by people that knew this is about as far as you can take it before the batter wouldn't be able to hit the ball hard. So that's why strike zone's there. And anytime you go outside that strike zone, the chances of you hitting that ball hard decrease significantly. So that's the number one priority is staying inside the strike zone. No doubt about it. And according to Ted Williams in in his book, he says, for those of you you that reach outside the zone, you're opening up the strike zone 35%. You're giving the pitcher 35% more area to throw the ball to you. And, and you're not going to probably get good contact. No, it's, it's no doubt about it, man. I can remember when I was like an A-ball going to spring training early in West Palm Beach. And for whatever reason, I have no idea to this day how this happened, Jim. But I'm in the Montreal Expos facility, and we shared it with St. Louis Cardinals. And I'm hitting. This is before spring training started. So it's me and a couple of guys, just a couple of minor leaguers, and Sean Casey. You know Sean Casey? He yeah, plays Sean Casey. Cincinnati, the mayor. Yeah, he's a good hitting lefty. He has no business in arcades. He's not affiliated with our organization, but he lived in West Palm Beach. So he he's just come hitting our cages. Mm. He's a nice guy, man. Yeah. And so, you know, me, hey, Sean, give me what you got, man. How, how can I get better? And he used to always say, man, well, first thing you do after that bat is ask yourself, did I get a good pitch to hit? What did I swing at? Forget about mechanics. What did I swing at? And I think as, as we continue with this talk, what people are going to realize is there's not a lot of talk about mechanics in here. No. It's all about mindset, mental process, and approach. But Sean Casey told me that. So, yeah, that's, that was my approach, Jim. I'm going to get a good pitch to hit. Uh, I'm going to stay in the strike zone. And if I didn't get a good pitch to hit, that's what I chalked the bad results up to. I didn't worry about mechanics or anything like that. I got to do a better job of getting a good pitch to hit. It's so funny, too, because it's weird how sometimes things happen in life. But and when they come around, like even our discussion right now around all this hitting stuff, um, we got a kid uh, who was kind of struggling. He only had five at bats because he had some injuries and stuff like that. So it's it's early five at bats. You can't you can't diagnose yourself off of five at bats, you know, early in the season. Really, you kind of got to just move on and get get more accumulation of at bats together before you can really say there's something wrong with my swing. Or, or something like that. But uh, he went and put some extra work in the cages. And there was, a, you know, everyone had some advice for him, right? Oh, yeah, I think you're doing this. I think you're doing that. And um, I went and watched him uh, for a good half hour, you know, while he's swinging in the cages. And I'm looking and I'm like, hey, man, all this mechanical stuff that everyone's talking about, you've always had a good swing. And really, for the last five, six years, you've raked. You've been like a 400 hitter. In, tra- in, in any league he's played in, in travel ball, in, in pony, whatever. He's been a great hitter. Doesn't strike out a lot. And I was like, well, you're, you're telling me you're hitting a lot of ground balls. You're, you're hitting the top of the ball. Right. So how do you hit the top of the ball? Is it because you're early? Are you reaching out in front? Is the ball even getting to the plate? All that kind of stuff. Are you hitting good pitches? Are you swinging at good pitches? You know, are you having good count leverage? And he and all his answers to all those questions were were yeah, I'm, I'm re- I am reaching, I'm hitting it out front. And I did chase some, some pitches. I chased a pitch high and I chased a curveball in the dirt. And I was like, okay. I said, so is that a mechanical issue or is that your timing is off? Probably because you haven't been swinging enough. You haven't been in the cages. You haven't been taking BP like everybody else has. So your timing 
mechanism is off right now. It's not your swing. You're not dropping your hands. You're not, I'm not seeing you do the things that would lead me to say there's a, a big mechanical issue here. This is, I'm too early. I didn't get the timing down for whatever the reason is, or I'm just rusty or whatever it is. And I need to work on my timing. So the first thing we did right after that happened was I said, I want you to hop back in there. And now what I want you to do is every pitch that it looked like you really, you were trying to pull everything. So what I want you to do is I want you to actually almost foul every single pitch off to the side. I want you to hit every ball to the right side of, of the, of the cage. And that's what he's tried to do for a while. I mean, we're talking like another 15 minutes, almost a whole bucket tried to hit, hit the ball the other way. We go into the next round. Now I'm like, Hey, now go ahead and just, you know, swing it. Boom. Before you know, he starts hitting line drives up the middle, right center, left center, and, and hitting like I'm used to seeing him hit. And I said, that's really, honestly, dude, that's all it was. It was, you need to get better pitches to hit and not being so aggressive to pitches that you don't usually hit well. He doesn't hit a ball down in the zone really well. So there's one of two things you do when that happens. You either go work on that so I can hit that ball well, because I think just about, if it's in the strike zone, you can hit any ball out of the ballpark if, you, if your swing is prepared to do that. Yes. Um, and again, if you're swinging at all kinds of crap, you know, outside the strike zone, well, the pitcher is smart too sometimes. And he's realizing, well, I don't have to groove anything. I don't need to uh, be careful. I can kind of miss a little bit here and there and, and put one in the dirt and put one up a little higher and maybe we're going to give them the chases. So if you can lay off that, lay off the bad balls and get them to throw you some better pitches, you're going to have a better chance of hitting the ball hard. And that's part of getting a good pitch to hit you know, to me. So timing to me is, is definitely a huge thing. And, and you've talked about this before about timing being really one of the most important things I think the hitting and I, and, and Ted Williams brings that up a lot. Um, it's not necessarily the words get on time, but you know, timing, hitting the, be able to hit the ball hard. You got to be able to get the barrel to the ball on time. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, man. And I would say probably 90% of the time you make it out, it wasn't because of a mechanical breakdown. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the rabbit hole. That's the trap that people get, get caught in. And that's the kind of stuff that has people spiral out of control because yeah. every time they make an out, they start tinkering with their mechanics. And before you know it, you in a spot, you're lost and you don't even know how to get back to where you were because you done changed so much stuff. You know, I tell stories all the time about me trying to fix stuff around my house, Jim. I'm not a handyman, but in my head, I think I am. So every time something breaks and my wife says she's going to call somebody, we have damn near a, a knockdown, drag them out fight. You're not calling nobody. I, I'm fixing this. And if I can't, then we'll call somebody. And I start, un, you know, taking stuff apart, Jim. And before I know it, I'm like, damn, I don't even know how to put this back together. <laughs> and that's the same stuff that happens with these kids swing. You start tearing it down, and before you know it, you can't even get back to where you were. There, there's no doubt about it. I see it with pitchers, too, messing with their mechanics all the time. Like, if you were just shoving for the last eight, nine, ten starts, maybe you had a bad outing somewhere in there. All of a sudden, you, uh, I don't know what to do, coach. I, I, I need to go do this with my mechanics now. What? Just because you had one bad game or even a couple bad games, you know, it, I, I don't know where, where the limit is. Like when you say, okay, this is the amount of that bats where I need to now start working with, you know, something's wrong with my swing, but it's not always the mechanics that, that the problem is, right. It's, it, it's, it's a lot of other things and, and you're seeing the selection of pitches you're swinging at 
and even just your mindset and your approach of going up the up the bat. And you know, with Ted Williams, this leads into this. The second rule uh, to hit by is proper thinking, knowing the situations, and doing your homework. Um, and so, you know, proper thinking. You know, a little bit more about proper thinking is, you know, when I'm going up, the, am I just going up there to swing the bat? Am I just going, hey, I'm going to see first pitch fastball and I'm, I'm going to let it rip. Um, Ted Williams said he took a lot of first pitch fastballs. And I know even I've put the statistics out there of what batting averages are in the major leagues on guys who swing at the first pitch. I think Jose Altuve has one of the best batting averages on, he's like a 400 hitter on first pitch, um, you know, of a game or, or, or his at bats. Um, that's Jose Altuve. Um, but, but the statistics show if, if you swing at the first pitch in the major leagues, you, you got a better chance of, of getting on, but that wasn't, that wasn't necessarily Ted Williams belief because to him, he's setting you up from his first at bat to the fourth at bat. So understanding that my first at bat, even though I've tried to get your timing down in the on deck circle and I've been watching you and I've watched your video or I've seen you pitch before, or I may have even faced you before or whatever it might be. I've done all that but I still haven't felt you. I haven't been in the batter's box and in that moment, me and you and felt what you got today. And so what he's saying is it's okay to see one, you know, you don't always have to go up just because the stats say, Hey, you're going to be a 400 hitter. If you hit the first pitch, well, you could also be off with your timing and pop up the first pitch and boom, there you go. Now, what do you have going into your second at bat? You have no information. You just know that you were early or late on his first pitch fastball, or if you chased a curveball or something like that, that's all you got. You didn't see his changeup. You didn't see his slider. You didn't see him come in or out on, you know, there's a lot of information that you missed out on by going up there swinging at the first pitch. Um, again, thinking about Ted Williams, Ted Williams was a guy who walked a lot. He had a high on base percentage, a high batting average and hit with power. So you're talking about, I mean, these are all the things that you would love to be able to do if you're a hitter, if you're on base all the time, um, and, and you're part of the order guy, which he was a three, four guy, most of the time, um, you know, there's some, there's some different thinking you got to do when you're also in those parts of the order. So, um, you know, he takes the pitch to, to get the feel for it. And then now he's also setting up his next at bats. Maybe he gets out on the next pitch, whatever it might be. Maybe he saw first pitch fastball for a strike and then got popped with a curveball, maybe rolled over or whatever it might be. But now at least you've seen a couple pitches, you know, what his fastball velocity is looking like that day. And you've maybe seen another off speed, or maybe you got a couple fastballs, but at least you kind of know, maybe he's going to groove a fastball next time on you. Since you took the first pitch the first time, maybe the pitcher's going to groove a fastball next time. Are you going to let that one go by you, Ron? You know, I, Jim, I think it's important first that we point, we got a lot of young hitters and young coaches and parents who are new to the game. I think it's important that we point out, why people bat 400 on the first pitch. Mm. It really doesn't matter what, what level you're at in baseball. If you're hanging around pitchers, you're going to hear them talk about getting strike one yep. and the importance of throwing strike one. And so if you're in, even in the minor leagues, like A ball, double A, high school, people are taught to get ahead and stay ahead. Yep. And so that first pitch is critical to what happens in that at bat, they want it to be a strike. So therefore they're closer to the center of the plate with that strike because they want it to be a strike. So it's a good, it's a good pitch to hit. 
Yeah. And, you know, at lower levels, it's always a fastball because that's the pitch they control the best. Yeah. Trying to throw a strike, you want to throw something you can control. So it's, it's, it's a good pitch to hit. When you're talking about somebody like Ted Williams, Ted Williams is the kind of hitter that pumps fear into people. Yeah. So Ted Williams is going to get pitched differently than a lot of other people get pitched. You can't say, well, Ted Williams is a lefty and I'm a lefty, so this is what he did to Ted Williams, what he going to do to me. He don't have the same respect for you that he has for Ted Williams. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So I learned that quick, all that high school stuff about this, the way he pitches lefties. No, it's not, especially in pro ball. It's specific to you. So Ted Williams, for whatever reason, might listen. Ted Williams might be the kind of guy he can start the at bat with a strike, still be lethal. Yeah, like Barry Bonds. I'm not like that. I need all three. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> I know the third one. If I'm batting with two strikes, you know what people hit in those situations. Yeah, because you know it's, it's terrible. It's 200 at best. At best, you're rarely getting a fastball down the middle with 0-2. And you're trying to cover everything. You're trying to you're trying to protect everything that might be a strike. Yeah. So you're not aggressive towards anything. You know, you're oh oh, you might be leaning on a fastball, you see a curveball, you take it. You can't afford to do that with two strikes. Yes. So it's really difficult when you got fastball timing and then you have to adjust to an off-speed mid-pitch. That's tough for anybody. I, I don't I don't recommend you try to do that, but that's what you have to do with two strikes. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So Ted Williams is probably the kind of talent like Barry Bonds. Yeah. We've seen a few in our life. Yep. He can start the at bat with one strike and still be great. Well, shoot. We've seen Barry Bonds. He'd be 0-2 and take you out the park next pitch. Superhuman. Yes. Superhuman. <laughs> um, no, uh, you know, so what we're hitting and we're we're talking, we're talking proper thinking. But knowing your situations, I mean, when there's runners on and when there's no one on, you're going to get pitched differently. You know, um, the, the shift. So the Ted Williams shift, you know, uh, a lot of people have heard about that before or whatever. And and this is, you know, shifts. I think shifts has always happened in baseball. I think anyone who had played the game, even if we're talking the 1800s, if you were playing this game and you've seen a guy just always hitting the ball in one spot, but you're playing way over here. At some point, you moved over. That's just common sense. You know what I mean? It's just common sense. You're like, hey, I'm going to move over here because this is where he's hitting it all the time, right? So it's some, we don't, I don't know we know when the shift really started, but it was definitely really common for Ted Williams, and then it, it really evolved over the years to where it is now where it's just almost ridiculous. I mean, little, leaguer, little leagues are doing it to kids, and I'm like, right? <laughs> oh, oh, my God, dude. Like a 10U tournament. I'm playing in a 10U tournament, and I'm I'm watching. What the heck are they doing? They're moving all of their kids over to one spot as if they know where my kid's going to hit the ball. And I'm like, I don't think you know where any kid's going to hit the ball. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some kids that do have tendencies, right? But come on, man. Like a 10-year-old is not that good at hitting his spots, and a 10-year-old isn't that good at hitting the ball where he wants to hit it. I mean, your oppo round and all that kind of stuff, like – you know, it takes years to develop that kind of, you know, stuff. Um, so I think it's funny when, when, when I see that, it, you know, it, it's cute. You know what I mean? It's cute. Um, but, you know, obviously in the major leagues and stuff, you know, it's there for a reason. They got stats getting put in their face. Like, hey, look, yeah. this dude only hits the ball here. And but on uh, specifically on this pitch. Yeah. And this is the pitch we're going to throw him. 
And so he's going to hit it to you. So we're going to move you over here. So there's more behind the scenes work going on, on situational stuff like that, as far as, you know, where's the defense playing you? And, and so maybe are you going to look for a different pitch in this situation? Um, are you going to wait it out a little bit um, in your at bat? And kind of, you know, what I was saying before with Ted Williams, one of the biggest things he talked about was each at bat, you know, his thought process, even if you got me the first couple of times, well, if I got hits in my next two at bats in my third and fourth at bat, I went two for four. I'm hitting 500. You know what I mean? So even if you got carved up your first two at bats, but you gathered the information and this was the key thing with, with uh, what Ted Williams is talking about. It's getting the information, gathering the information and, and taking it up and you're building up your, um, you know, basically a book in your head of what to do in certain situations off certain pitchers or, or uh, certain pitches uh, to try and set yourself up for more success. And, and again, what we're really all talking about here is just being more prepared for your at bats versus just going up the bat and, you know, seeing what happens. Right. And I think some people do that. They're not doing their homework. You know what I mean? They're not preparing themselves enough and then wondering why they're failing. And then maybe they're going to the cages at, or they're going to the hitting and Hey, what's wrong with my hand or my swing or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> what's your approach? You know, and that's me. Whenever I do work with hitters, I mean, uh, I, I wish I could work with more people individually. Um, but it's, I, I'm so busy that, you know, running teams and all that kind of stuff. I just, I, I don't have that time, but I wish I could just get into every hitter's head that I talk to because the first thing I ask anytime I do a lesson with somebody is, well, what's been your approach? What are you swinging at? You know, and, and do you feel like you're swinging at good pitches? You know, what, what's, what's the last counts, you know, when you last got some good hits or whatever, what were the counts that you had in those hits? A lot of, a lot of times these kids, they don't remember, they don't know. And like you said, you know, you journal everything and, and, and I highly recommend it, you know, to, to journal stuff. I mean, when I was a kid, obviously we didn't have the internet really like we do now or anything like that. I had a binder in my room that I literally wrote down every game I played and I wrote down all my stats after that game. I didn't put notes in there like, hey, dude threw me a curveball and, and I, you know, popped it up. I didn't, I didn't have that depth in there, but I had two for four with a walk, two stolen bases. You know, I kept the key stats that I wanted to know how I did in those games. And usually I could kind of remember, I knew I hit a fastball, you know, for a bomb. Like I, 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 knew, I knew it was inside or whatever it was. I could remember that stuff. But a lot of times you can't remember, and, and it's good to journal this stuff. And by journaling it, you can go back and look at it and, and kind of see a trend, like you even talked about before, like, hey, if you've gone a few games without doing something well, or you're, you're frustrated and your bats aren't going your way, go back and look at what you were doing prior to those games and, and see what happened there. And maybe you figure something out. Like, did I change anything? Or did I just see weak pitching? Because that happens sometimes. Maybe I've just seen a dude who kept throwing me cookies. You know what I mean? And, and that does happen. I, I've seen that in my career where it just seemed like, damn, this dude keeps grooving a fastball on me. So I'm not going to keep watching it. That's for sure. I'm going to jump all over it. And then there was days it seemed like I went up and everything the guy threw was exactly where he wanted it to be and not where I wanted it to be. And the umpire might have extended the zone today and, and was just ringing guys up and you're frustrated, you know? So you, you got to look at all that stuff. And, and if, and if that's happening to you, like you're just getting pitched really well to, and it seems like the umpire zone is even in the pitcher's favor and all that stuff. Do you need to go to the batting cages and go work on your swing? <laughs> you know, so, I, I don't think so. Right. That, that's just, Hey, 
sometimes there's just bad luck in the game. Sometimes there's just someone better than you or someone that could pitch better than you can hit. And, and you got to just chalk that up as a loss and move on and, and not, you know, dwell on it. You know, you need, you need to be able to move on. But I, I think, again, the key here is doing your homework, looking at trends, and, and just paying attention to the game when you're not in the game or up the bat or whatever. So that way, when you do get up there, there's just valuable information floating around all over the place if we can soak it up. And the people that do that more often than others are probably going to be successful. I mean, you look at the best baseball players that have played during, you know, the, the really good, the Manny Ramirez's, the Barry Bonds, the Mike Trouts, the King Griffey Juniors. Yes, all those guys are superstars and great, you know, athletes and all that kind of stuff. But those guys did homework. Those guys knew what they were doing when they were going into the box. They were setting pitchers up. They, you know, they took a pitch for a reason. And everything had a reason behind it. Sometimes they got beat. But for the most part, they were in control of their at-bats. And they knew what they wanted to do with it. And they were, they were very good in situations. You know, they, they, they weren't overmatched. Or, or I shouldn't say overmatched. Um, they weren't overwhelmed by the situations. You know, they could lock in. They could breathe and get ready to go and, and not be worried oh that's randy johnson he's got a filthy slider you know they none of that was going in their head oh, i'm gonna strike out you know the negativity that starts to pop into people's heads we don't have time to think about negativity i gotta think about what you're about to throw and how i'm gonna get a barrel on it yeah hey a lot of these kids you know they've been taught things like to never to never think so yeah. I bet you, I, I would be willing to bet anything that if you asked all the players in your program, I'd be willing to bet you that they had the same exact approach from the time they're eight till now. The same exact approach. So that makes them sitting ducks because. Yeah. All the pitcher has to do is stay out of that approach and the hitter's at a disadvantage because his approach never changes. And that's the way we're taught as hitters. And that's the way you should be taught growing up as you're younger. But, you know, the game starts to change around 13, 14, 15. Yeah. Some of us could even keep that same very elementary approach at 15 if you're talented enough. But at some point, it's going to catch up with you and you're going to use your head. Yeah. But it's hard to do because we've been trained and conditioned to only do one thing. And if you do anything else, people might ridicule you. Coaches might, what are you doing that for? Why you, well, you know, all that, all that stuff. Yep. So kids are put at a disadvantage. It doesn't matter how much information you got. It really doesn't matter how much information you got if you're always going to do the same thing when you go to the plate. Yeah, yeah. So how, so how do you fix that? <clears throat> number one you got to encourage kids to pay attention and use the information that's the whole key you got to use the information that you're getting to give you a competitive advantage number two is if you're going to expect a kid to do anything different than what he's always done you got to practice that in the cage yeah you have to practice it and look jim this game is always changing like it's a cat and mouse game you bang my fastball. Pitchers, see, pitchers have always made adjustments. Yeah. Whether it was them or the pitching coach calling the pitches, they're never just going to let you do the same thing over and over again. Yep. The only people who don't make adjustments is hitters. So Jim throws me a fastball away, and I hit a double over the left fielder's head. 
Next at bat, Jim ain't trying to throw me no more fastballs away. He either coming in or he coming with some all speed. Yep. But I'm still looking fastball away. That's how hitters are. Yep. But the pitcher made an adjustment. The next at bat, you get to the big leagues, Jim. Guy will throw you a fastball away. You swing, foul that thing straight back. He off of that pitch. Oh, he, he that swing was too good. Let me try some. That's how quick they change. Yep. But the hitter, especially the amateur, high school, little league, we don't count little league, high school, college, they're always thinking the same thing. That's why yeah. they're sitting ducks. Yep. That's the uh, problem. That, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. And, and you mentioned something there about getting into the cage. And that was something that um, Ted Williams – you know, talks about in uh, in his book about, you know, whether things are going wrong or right or whatever, what he wanted, he wanted to be in the cage. He was in the cage all the time working on his swing. And, you know, you want to talk about, we can talk about being a great hitter and you can talk about gathering information and, and having all this knowledge. And like you said, how to use it. But if you ain't in that cage often and on a tee and working on all the different parts of your swing and trying to hit different pitches. And like I said earlier, you know, like I got the kid, he, he knows he has a hard time hitting the uh, the ball at the bottom of the zone. And, and you can choose to just never swing at that pitch. But realistically, you're not going to be able to always hold off on that pitch. There's going to be times you're going to have to hit that pitch, whether let's say it's two strikes. Like you said, you're going to take it because you know you don't hit it well and it's strike three. Nah, you, you got to do something with that pitch. So if you don't ever go in the cage and go work on that pitch to learn how to hit that ball and get on time with it, then at some point, like you said, the pitchers are also getting smart enough and they're learning from you and watching. And as they gather their trends, they're seeing, oh, that's how I get you out, bottom of the zone. You know, I'll, I'll throw a fastball or something off speed down at the bottom of the zone. You're going to chase, you're going to roll over and you're going to hit the ground ball that I want you to get, right? right? And we need to be in the cage more. And and that's something Ted Williams talked about all the time. Batting practice, batting practice, batting practice. Take, take as much of it as you can um and getting extra reps so if you're going to go see a hitting instructor um i'm i'm more concerned if your hitting instructing instruction lesson is all talk and all mechanical versus a little bit of talk and conversation because leaving and talking about what you're doing and why you're doing it and, and, and all that kind of stuff and are you on time and and or maybe you're working certain zones and stuff like that but getting a lot of reps in and and seeing what you can do with the reps and, and have a plan with what you're doing with those reps. Don't just go into the cage and the swing, like go in with a plan of what we're trying to do today, trying to accomplish something. And I, and I believe that kind of stuff, then you go into the game, you're going to start seeing better results. And there was no tinkering with your hands or your feet or your legs or whatever and all that kind of stuff. Obviously with, with little league, basically any kid that's not 14, 15 years old, they're still figuring out their, their swing. Their, their swing is going to change every season, maybe maybe twice in a season. I mean, I got eight, nine, 10, 11 year olds going up like their King Griffey Jr. stance. They got they got Ricky Henderson stance the next day. You know what I mean? Like kids change their stances and stuff on their own all the time. And then parents will come, man, I don't know what he's doing. Now he thinks he's, you know, Mike Trout, you know, or whatever, or even with pitchers, like now he's doing Johnny Cueto stuff. And I'm like, well, hey, this is what kids do. They they imitate, right? And and they change. What's stuff. wrong with it? Yeah, there's there's nothing wrong with it. They're they're trying to figure themselves out. They're trying to figure out what feels good. And at the end of the day, even Ted Williams is kind of bringing this up. This is everyone has different swings. 
and, and where your hands start and all that. There are some science behind all this stuff, but at the end of the day, you can have your hands almost anywhere. I mean, we've seen guys like Eric Davis, Mickey Tettleton, uh, Matt Noakes. I mean, I can go, a list goes on. Kevin Moss, if anyone remembers that guy. There, there's guys that had weird quirk. Julio Franco, I mean, he had his barrel head was pointed back at the pitcher. You know what I mean? In, in his at bat. But once the pitch was starting to come, if you go watch his swing, he's, he's locked and loaded, ready to go, and the bat's flat through the zone when he gets to the ball. So all these different ways you start and stuff, everyone has their own thing. Kevin Euclid, right? He, he, I, I can't, I really couldn't stand what he would do. It'd drive me crazy, but he was a 300 hitter. How can you knock the guy? You know what I mean? So people who think, oh, this is how you got to hit. This is, this is what your, your feet, this is where they should be eight inches here and this foot there and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I think there is some method to some of that stuff, but I believe there's so many variations of it because it depends on what you as a hitter feels comfortable. Uh, um, and this kind of leads as far as getting comfortable. Uh, the third thing that the rules to hit by is having a quick bat. That's what Ted Williams talked about, having a quick bat. But he talks a lot about bats and bat weight and, and, and how the bat feels in your hands. And I, I, I have this conversation probably, if not every day, every week with parents all the time. You know, maybe they're looking for a new bat or whatever it is. But I tell my parents, hey, before you go out and buy a $300, $400 bat, which I got no problem with. I, I, I always had the best bats in my, ki in my kids' hands. But it wasn't just because it was the best bat. It's the bat that felt best in my kid's hands and what I seen him feeling comfortable with in the right length and all that kind of stuff. A lot of times our kids are swinging the wrong size bat, the wrong, the wrong weight, the wrong length. And then sometimes that's the only reason why your kid's not having success is because of the wrong bat in their hands. And, um, you know, Ted Williams even talks about when he ordered bats, he would weigh them. He didn't, he didn't trust the manufacturer to send him the bat, the exact weight that he ordered, whether it was, he wanted a 33-ounce uh, bat, and he'd go and weigh it, and it was 33 and a half ounces. And me and you talked about this the other day. Between, you know, pine tar, uh, the dust and dirt, and your bat, you know, getting dropped to the ground and all that kind of stuff, and all the things that gather up on a bat on a daily basis of you using it, you can easily add an ounce to a bat over the course of a game or two. And now instead of you swinging a 33 or 34-ounce or, or bat, that thing's 34 or 35 ounces. And when, when you're talking about getting on time on a fastball and a guy throwing 90 miles an hour or anything like that or whatever, that extra ounce means a different, you know, makes a big difference to, uh, to somebody. So, you know, having the right bat in your hands and being able to be quick, those are, those are obviously very important things in order for you to also have success hitting. Did you have those kind of experiences when you played with, with baseball bats? I know you were talking about that as, as well, that, you know, even having a scale in the locker room and all that kind of stuff and people weighing their bats and yeah. maybe even shaving their bats a little bit or doing things to them to alter them to, to, to take an ounce or two off the bat. No doubt about it, man. Hey, it's your tools. Everybody's like that with their tools. I like them to feel the way I want them to feel. There's no doubt about that. The quick swing thing, the way, the way I took that was we want to have a certain amount of intensity when we swing. Yeah. A lot of people get caught up in trying to make contact, just trying to make contact. I think quick swing is people are trying to not just make contact. I'm trying to tear the cover off this ball. The only way you're going to tear the cover off the ball is if you swing with that kind of aggression that Ted yeah. Williams is talking about. That's the way I took that. But let's back up a minute. Back to that cage. Yeah. And, you know, I do a lot of hidden lessons, Jim. 
And I'm gonna tell you straight up, it's one thing I can't stand. If a kid come to me for reps, I don't do reps. You can get reps anywhere. You can get reps in the cave. You come to me for information that you can't find somewhere else. Yeah. If I'm not giving you information as a hidden coach, that's helping you think differently, think better, become a better player, then you don't need to come to me. You can go, I can get my little son to flip you balls. I can get my little son to put the ball on a tee so you can swing, swing, swing. Yeah. You get no better from, from reps. You get better from information. Yeah. That's the only thing that you're going to be thinking about when you get out the game and you learn more about the game. You're going to say, man, if I knew that, if I had that piece of information when I was 20, I would have been this, this, and this. So yeah. definitely got to get some information. And yeah. the, always in the cage, you got to always be in the cage because Monday, I'm not going to feel the same as I do Friday. Monday, I might have been able to pull the hell out the ball. And I go in there and say, man, I'm pulling the ball great today. If I get in this fastball count, this leverage count, I'm going to look for something out front. I'm going to try to jerk something. Then yeah. you go in the cage on Friday, damn, I can't get around on this thing. I got to go the other way today. So the cage lets you know where you're at for that day. Because yeah. every day, you don't have the same swing. Hell, I might be a little tired today. I might have banged my shoulder up diving for a ball yesterday. I don't know. But every day we're a little bit different. Might be a little tired, whatever. So yeah. you go in the cage to find out where you're at for that day, what I can do well for that day. What am I handling well? Then I set my plan and my approach up based off what I, the information I gathered in the cage. But the quick swing thing, man, I think that's all about intensity. That's a, that's the stuff you, you hear with um, my little league team, my son's little league team. I don't coach it but they really try to get the kids to swing the bat to hit the ball hard, man. I, I appreciate that. We're not just trying to make contact. Don't be up there trying to make contact, afraid of swinging and missing or whatever. You go up there with a quick bat and you, when you hit it, it's, it's intended to do some type of damage. Yeah, man. Uh, there, there's no doubt about it. And, and we, we would talk about, obviously like in little league and stuff like that, this is where you get a lot of it from is, you know, they want you to put the ball in play because the, the rate of errors right is high like literally if i could just hit a little squibbler off the end of the bat in little league it might you might win a championship off that i mean it, it's just we've seen it all the time in little league so yeah you got coaches out there telling hey just put it in play put it with two strikes whatever i don't care how you got to hit it put it in play because what do we see happens the fielder's got to field the ball and he's got to make the throw and that kid has to catch it and the odds of all three of those happening you know at the same time there's a lot of room for error in there. So that, you know, that's where a lot of that comes from. But the real baseball game that as you get older and you become an adult or you're in high school or college, those guys are making, they're fielding ground balls and throwing you out and the guy is catching it. You yeah. know what I mean? So how am I going to get that ball by that guy? Yeah. I got to piss on that baseball. Got so to. again, getting that good pitch to hit, right? Because if you're hitting bad balls, you're not going to probably hit it as hard as you can. The, the oh. intent to do damage. Is, is not going to be there. But I promise you this, and this is one thing I know, you know, the Ted Williams chopper, uh, that, was, that was something I remember back as a kid that used to get talked about, the Ted chopper. He hit the ball sometimes so hard at guys that it had even some top spin on it that was just vicious. And guys couldn't get in front of that ball or just were too scared to, too scared to. And I promise you, I mean, I, I, I fielded some balls in my life that were, I don't know how I fielded this ball because it definitely made me tighten up, 
you know what I mean? Like, oh shit, this ball was ripped. <laughs> and I'll tell you, when, when you can make the fielder feel that way, then, you know, that's when you have definitely a much better chance of getting on base, whether it, whether he boots it or whether he just don't play it right and it gets by him or whatever it might be. But again, you've got to be able to square that ball up and hit it that way and, and have intent to want to hit it like that. So guys do have fear of trying to field the balls that you hit to them. Um, because I promise you, when that ball's coming at you and it's got teeth on you, uh, teeth on it, and you're hearing it, you're, you're hearing the zzz, you know, when it's coming at you, that's a whole different ball to try, a different ball to try and field, you know, than something soft off the end of the bat or a jam job. Okay. You know what I mean? And uh, uh, let's see, I was going to get into something else that kind of tied into that. Oh, so I, I you know, I really, uh, back to the bats kind of real quick. So, you know, something Ted Williams had brought, uh, brought up is that like how you're talking about different days, you're going to feel differently. Right. And yeah. so you, you need to make adjustments on that. Like I know me, uh, I might've pitched, right. And my arms sore by the seventh inning or eighth inning or whatever, you know, just tired, you know, like the power in my right arm, you know, just isn't there. I had to even change my approach and what I was doing in my at-bats in that same game. Um, maybe what I did, even I went up with a, with a smaller bat instead of a 33, I went up with a 32 on the guy. Um, yeah, just because that's the adjustment I felt I needed to do in order to be able to do what, what I wanted in this next at bat. Well, Jim. When you made that adjustment, you know what you just did? You just gave yourself a ton more confidence because you yeah. made you made a move. You you, you thought about this, man. Uh, that's some that's some that's dope right there. That's a player independently making adjustments. No coach told you to do that. Nope. No one told me to do it. It was just something that, like you know, you're using your head. You're starting to think, what what? what? Again, we're always thinking of how do I get advantage? And in, in some, some of us are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not all of us, but. We should be. We all should be looking for advantages yeah. to, to win or to win our at bat or whatever it is. Um, and, and that was something, you know, I love it when I when I hear kids in the dugout, you know, because obviously we're, we're always listening to what our kids are talking about. And, uh, hey, you, you got your 32 on you or or you got that other bat, the one that might be an ounce lighter or, or whatever it might be that they're discussing. When I love when I hear kids talking about that and I see them make those adjustments on their own. Um, that just makes me feel good right there because that that's the type of stuff you need to be thinking about in your at bats um, and, and making sure that, you know, again, you want to be as prepared as you can for every at bat, no matter how you're feeling or whatever's going on. And like Ted Williams would talk about, Hey, I might have a 35 ounce bat that I'm swinging at the beginning of the season, but after 50, 60, 70 games, and, uh, you know, he's had a lot of wear and tear because he is always on base and, and he's a, you know, heart of the order guy. And, and I mean, just just playing, it don't matter where you are in the lineup. Honestly, if you're if you're on that field, you know, playing that many games, you're getting banged up. You know, we play 27 games in high school and kids are hurting by game five. You know, we got kids on my arm today, my hip, my leg, my foot. You know, it's a it's a rough game. You're, you're just not always feeling it. And yep. you got to still go in there and grind it out and figure it out. So making those adjustments is huge. But he would go flip flop to like a 33 ounce, maybe 60, 70 games into the season. So just, I mean, whether it's like you said, just a mental uplifting, that might make you feel more confident because, hey, the bat feels light in my hands. And, and we all know when the bat feels good in your hands, your confidence level is going to rise. When yeah. that bat feels and it feels like it's dragging and you can and you're spinning <laughs> through fastballs, uh, that, that sucks. And we all go through it. 
But those days suck. When you feel like you just can't touch the ball no matter what you do, you could swing it as slow as you can through the zone to just try and make contact, and you can't touch the ball. Those are rough days. Those are rough days. You know what, Jim? You just been, you reminded me of two things. One is when I used to swing that bat and it'd be dragging and he just threw a fastball by me, I used to always step out the box, put the bat, stretch. <laughs> My boy Termel Sledge used to be like, and that's when he knew I couldn't catch up. He said, every time you do that stretch, you Because <laughs> you think that stretch is going to get you to go a little quicker, isn't it? <laughs> Loosen me up a little bit. That was one thing. The second thing you just reminded me of when we talk about these bats, how the bat feels is the reason you picked it up and took it to the plate. It felt great, yes. right? And that right there is the reason that I never believed in choking up with two strikes. Mm. I picked this bat up for a very specific reason, because it felt great. Why in the world on the third strike what I changed the way my bat feels in my hands. And they say, hey, man, you get better bat control. And hell, why aren't I doing it with no strikes? Don't yeah. I want bat control with no strikes? See, that stuff never made sense. See, these are the things in baseball to get kids confused, man. Yeah, yeah. And just because people do it and might have success with it, it has to make sense to me, Jim. I'm not, I'm gonna say that, get that out of my face, man. Explain yeah. to me why I need to change the way my bat feel with two strikes. Yeah. And if you tell me because it's better, then I need to choke up for the whole at bat if it's better. Yep. Right? Yep. So that's what Barry Bonds did, right? He lived his career off. Of, I mean, he always had the whole at bat. Yeah. Yeah. That's so the way he to him. He hit in the cages, he hit on the field, he hit in the game the same way. Yeah. Never he didn't choke up more with two strikes. Yeah. He hit a bomb. Yeah, I mean. You know, I don't know. Everybody is different. But I think with two strikes, I never liked choking up. Yeah. You know, I played with a lot of guys who would tell you that choking up did not make a difference to them, but they did it anyway because it was what they were taught as a kid. Yeah. But it helped them focus. Like once they choked up, it put their mentality into a two-strike I don't know, fight or it yeah. did something to them mentally. They're yeah. thinking whenever they choked up, they went to a different place thinking that made sense to me, but don't yeah. get that better back control stuff, man. I'm going to laugh you out of here. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I, I faced teams and actually I ended up coaching for a team. Um, my son was playing for them first and then the coaches, uh, they, they were a bunch of dads that just, you know, they had good kid. Their, their sons were good baseball players and they kind of accumulated a, a team and so my, my son would go play for them and eventually they they knew kind of what I knew about baseball and they they asked me hey could you come run our offense and uh, I'm like yeah you know I'll, I'll jump in or whatever and and we kind of all became a, a group and actually that group ended up following me to living legends at some point nice. um, but one of the approaches they really had what was that went to they had a whole two strike thing I mean it was every huh Spread your feet out, choke up, grab the plate. It wasn't that dramatic, you know what I mean? But it was just the mindset that we were talking about. It's with two strikes, yeah. A lot, a lot of guys on the team did shorten up a little bit. They, they were, they were, they were battling. They were going to be a very tough out, and that was just that was their approach. 
That's what they did. And they were very tough outs. They were, they were hard to get out with two, with two strikes, especially the top five guys in the order. It was very tough. And, and, you know, they bought in, they believed it, they understood it and, and it worked for them. You know what I mean? So to me, yeah, it's gotta be something that works for you. I, I'm not going to lie. I know like in little league, especially, yeah, some, I would tell kids to choke up because first of all, you went up there, your dad bought you a 34 inch bat and you're eight years old. And I too, Jim, with my middle school team. I, but I, I do it as like psychology. Yeah. They, they think when the coach is giving them an adjustment, okay, now I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, a, huh? it's a mind thing, right? Yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's a philosophy. It's, it's, yes, it's psychology. It's all that stuff when they're at those ages. So, yeah, yeah it's in the big leagues. Like, you'll be up there struggling, and the coach will be like, hey, you're good. Just keep your head on. You got a little, you pull a little bit. And you look back, you're like, man, that wasn't even it. But in that moment, Okay, now, now I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, now I'm ready. <laughs> but I mean, hey, I'm I'm like that as a base coach. I'm I'm a very active third base coach. And yeah. now I'm not, hey, you're doing this and you're doing, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to get too detailed. You know, I yeah. I've heard different things on this. I've heard yeah. even college coaches of very big, you know, D1 schools. I don't say nothing to my guy. He should be ready to go. It's up to him to figure it out. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I, I, I guess I understand that a little bit. Like I should be understanding what I'm doing and just focus on that or whatever. But to me, I'm seeing something from a different perspective. I'm watching what you're doing. Yeah. And if I see you doing something out of character of what you need to be doing, a quick little tip to you, to me, can be an advantage, especially if you soak it up. And, and, and like you said, it might be that mental boost like, oh, shit. Yeah, I was flying open. Yeah. You know, my, my head turned all the way to the third base dugout. It's never something that's going to hurt a kid. Telling a kid uh, to keep his head down, that can't hurt him. Yeah. What do you tell him that for? It can only help him. It can only <laughs> It's like, no, these tips work. That's why, that's why we say them. You know, that's why, that's why we do it. And, and, yeah. And obviously I make sure our kids understand, look, I'm going to give you some, you know, information. So be looking at me. You're supposed to look at your coach anyways, most, you know, every, every pitch, at least, at least in the youth levels. You know what I mean? Like, look at me. Okay, cool. Let's go reset. You know what I mean? We do it with pitchers. We tell the pitchers, Hey, after you threw two balls or something like that, right. Either the catcher calls timeout and goes talk to you. Right. Those are these are just routine things or the pitcher takes a, a mound walk, walks around the mound, looks at the center field, picks something out that he looks at, takes a deep breath, hops back on the mound. Right. Batters do the same shit, you know, and, and you got to regroup, retool. And, and sometimes that little tip from your third base coach, he's seeing something. He's watching you. And, and it's why it's why you watch video after it bats. Right. I want to see what I did. Oh, I pulled off. Well, imagine if somebody at third base coach was just telling you after your first swing. You're pulling off the ball. You got to keep your head down. If you do that, I might just help you. And again, like you said, just even if it's the mental boost, you know what I mean? Like, That's what so it is. I'm, I'm, I got no issue with people giving tips and stuff like that from, from base coaches. Now, it's one thing your, your first base coach is saying something, your third base coach is saying, your mom's saying something. You know, you got three, four people telling you something during your at bat. Now, that's the shit that, like, okay, stop it. We let the coach do his job. There's one yeah. guy. There's one guy that needs to do this job. Yes. Let him do it, and, and we're good. Hey, who the hell don't like encouragement? <laughs> like, that's the kind of shit that can make me feel good at a point where I don't feel so good. Yeah. You know, you might take a swing. I've done it before. That's why I can speak on it. Like, I could take a swing. God damn, man, I'm in trouble. You know? And then 
my third base coach could say something and you look back at it, he's like, man, that was nothing. But somehow that got me in the right space mentally. Yeah. You know what I mean? It might be something to make you smile. It might be something funny that we know between each other or something that I could say to you where you'll be like, oh, this dude. (laughs) All right, cool. Let's go. You know what I mean? Coaching right there. That's good coaching. Yeah, that's what it is. And I think, you know, like you, you said this a few times and maybe someday we need to do a podcast on this one, but, but why coaches are so scared to just be themselves and go coach how they think they should coach. They worried about what everybody else is, is seeing them do or the calls they're making or what they're saying. And and they're worried about fitting into a certain, Oh, well, I got to sound like uh, the LSU coach, or I got to sound like, you know, nah, the LSU coach is the LSU coach. He runs his own program and he does what he does, but Vanderbilt does their thing. And, you know, they're not all doing the same shit. There might be things that look like they're doing it the same, but their conversations, what they believe in, their philosophies and all that kind of stuff, a lot of them are different and they got their own ways to get the results that they're getting and stuff like that. So to me, there is no one coaching way to get shit done. But one thing I will say for sure is that coaches need to not be afraid to, to, to help, to, to be giving advice and and to run their show the way the way it's supposed to be ran you know what i mean and and not worry about criticism and and stuff like that from from outside you know spectators and all that kind of stuff because if those people were so good at what they do they'd be hitting instructors you know they they'd be running d1 programs that you know but they're not they're spectators right they're watching what's going on on the field they're not playing they're not in the game they're not on the field they're not doing it you know so Mm -hmm. I have a hard time when, when people are worried about, you know, what coaches do and stuff like that. And like, Hey, you know, for me, I've gotten results, very good ones. So I'm gonna keep doing what I do that I know works. You know, I got kids that are happy kids that love me kids that, you know, still talk to me after they graduate and move on and, and, and do stuff um, just because of the relationships we built, because they trust my coaching. They trust what I'm doing. They've seen the results and it's worked for them and, and they know what we're doing, you know? And, uh, and that's huge, man. You got to be able to have, co- you know, just even if we're talking hitting, having a hitting coach that you can go to and talk to and, and talk, like you said, when we're in the cages, yeah, I can go get reps anywhere and stuff like that. Right. Um, but getting the reps with the right guy, right. Getting the reps with the right guy is, is, is important. Someone that you can talk to that understands your swing, not trying to do too much with you, but trying to talk you through what you're trying to do and give you some information, you know, to, to go be a better hitter. And, you know, that's, the mechanical stuff that's, you know, obviously, you know, I got kids this year in my high school team that never played baseball before. I got to get mechanical with them to start out. I, I have no choice because they're holding the bat wrong. You know, they're, they're holding it like this. You know, they got the, yeah, fundamentals. They got no fundamentals. They got no fundamentals. So you got to have the fundamentals first. So, yeah. but once you do have the fundamentals of a swing, the rest is good. Yeah, now you got to find yourself. Now you got to find what swing. Where do you like to, you know, where do you like to hold your hands? Yeah, maybe I might need to make a little tweak with some of the things you're doing, but there shouldn't be anything major, especially once you get 14, 15, 16 years old. You should have a rough idea what you're doing for the most part. No doubt about it. No doubt about it, man. Hey, we live in a herd mentality culture, Jim. People follow the herd, even if that herd is leading them to destruction. Yep. So that's a. That's why we connected. You don't follow the herd. I don't follow the herd. Living legends. That ain't something that the herd would do. Matter of fact, it's probably people saying, man, you can't say that. You can't call your team that. You can't. 
one of the reasons why I said it. Yeah, man, I'm not part of the herd, man. In fact, yeah. if I'm saying the same stuff that everybody else is saying, you need to slap the hell out of me, Jim. Hey, we're immediately saying, man, you sounding like them. You yeah. said because if I'm not telling you something different, I ain't doing my job, man. You you need something different. So you you have to be able to again when you talk about gathering information, you got to take all the information in the hand. You know what I mean? What you might have seen in my swing or what someone else might have seen in my swing, both those pieces of information might be important to me. It yeah. doesn't mean that this guy is a better hitting instructor than this guy or whatever it might be. It's, again, gathering the information, taking it in, and deciding if that's working for you. No you doubt. know what I mean? And then if there is somebody that you got that connection with that it, it is all working for you and you're getting results and you feel good about it, yeah, keep working with that guy. You know what I mean? Keep <laughs> and, and, and keep doing that. But, I, I, I again – Make sure that you're getting all the reps and stuff like it's on your own. You know, I, I, one of the biggest things with my kids is, hey, we only have you a couple days a week in, in our program. We can't do a four or five day week travel ball program. It just doesn't work. You can't do it. Too many kids are doing too many things. They can't be there. Uh, and, and so those couple days, we're going to get in our work. But what are you doing the other, you know, five days of the week? You should have a bonnet. You should have a tee, a bucket of balls. And, and I don't care if you live in an apartment complex, a condo, a duplex, <laughs> a house. There's a park or grass or even cement somewhere patch that you can go set up shop. Now, the question is, do you go do it? You know, do, do you go push yourself to go do these things and get those extra reps in and get your little brother to toss you the, the, the front toss and teach your little brother how to toss it right now? Nah, toss it right here. Hey. You know? And then teach them how to swing. <laughs> you 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 will learn more about hitting when you start teaching people how to hit than you no ever doubt. learned when you were swinging. No doubt, no doubt. All right, Jim. I, I hope we have some more. We got. We get. We ain't got no rush, Jim. We ain't going nowhere. We ain't going nowhere. But one thing I do want to say: we got to start plugging what we do with these little leagues, man, and yeah. all all skills camps that we do together. Well, tell them about the uh, one coming up. We got one coming up, right? Yeah, we got one with Mil was it Milpitas National, May twenty third, ten to twelve. Swing Sanity, that's my company. Living Legends Baseball, that's Jim's. We putting together a free all skills clinic clinic for the whole league, top to bottom. Anything you want to know and learn, come out there and get it. And if you got a little league that you want to have an all skills clinic, get at Jim Living Legends Baseball. Get on his email, hit him on the Instagram, or you can hit me at Beyond Mechanics. But all I'm going to do is pass it off to Jim. So you might as well hit him. <laughs> yeah, you can always email me, Coach Jim, at livinglegendsbaseball.com. Um, and you can hit me up on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm easy to find. Uh, I've never been hard to find. I'm always there. Tupac, so. Tupac baby. I ain't hard to find. I ain't hard to find. All right, man. Let's wrap this up. Beyond Mechanics, another week. Ted Williams signs a hit and go get that book, man. We'll holler at you next week. Get it. Peace.